promotion is worth so much more than the money. Content is still king. Social media is completely your brand. The social media is acting as a catch net. Welcome back to the Music Marketing Podcast. Today we're joined with Austin Giorgio. If you've watched any of our content at all, you'll know that we did a video called Three Artists That You Should Check Out For Content, and one of them was Austin, although I did say his name wrong in the video. <laughs> Sorry about that. I think I what called did you, you call him? I called him by his username, which is Giorgio Austin. So, I mean, it's fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, we're joined by Austin. Hi, Austin. <laughs> hey, guys. How are you? Yeah, good. good thank thanks. you. Thanks for chatting with us. Um, if anyone saw that video, um, we specifically spoke about Austin because I discovered him personally on TikTok. His videos are amazing. And he's grown a really big audience on there, and we're going to discuss that later on. But it would be good to kind of start with your journey so far so how you even got to the point you're at because it's not always been tiktok tiktok's pretty new um so where did it all start did you did you start writing music from a young age uh no so well first off before we get into that i just want to tell everyone if they haven't seen it i freaked out when i saw you guys talk about i literally watch your content all the time and i'm literally watching like all right here's three hours i need to watch and then you're like, Giorgio Austin. I'm like, holy frick, I think they just said my name backwards. <laughs> and it was, it was the big moment. But uh, yeah, so actually going back on your question, singing's actually very new to me. I didn't start singing until uh, two and a half years ago. I wanted to like run a bicycle business. <laughs> That's so random. I know. <laughs> I know. So you, you so, only started like two and a half years ago. How did it start? So about... So back in 2017, uh, my mom told me I should start posting some songs on uh, YouTube for my grandparents because I like grew up on a lot of old jazz music. That's all I knew. Like that's, that was like where I came from. And so I posted like one or two videos on YouTube, and then they got shared on Facebook. I was completely off social media, 100%. I didn't have Instagram, Facebook, anything. YouTube was my only thing. Posted two videos, and then uh, it actually spread like wildfire in my hometown which then got me a lot of gigs around town. I'm like, shoot, I don't even have music equipment. So I had to go rent equipment. I had to sing to straight up karaoke tracks. And then uh, four months later, I auditioned for The Voice. And then that kind of went its own way. Okay, so how did you do in The Voice for people that don't know? Yeah, so the vo I went to the end lot, the... They call it the live rounds, where uh, it's like the what, what you think of, like where you vote. Uh, it's a show with the four coaches, and they all pick a team. And um, you know, at that time, I was really just an extended version of who I was at the moment, which was I literally just listened to a lot of Frank Sinatra. And I think the best part is since leaving the show, uh, I become uh, me, which is fun. You know, taking what I love from the old and blending it with pop culture. Yeah. So what happened after The Voice? Because there's really kind of split opinions on talent mm. shows. Some people think they're amazing and they give artists a platform to develop. Some people think they're a little bit cringy and sort of force artists to fit in boxes a little bit. How did you find the experience yourself? Oh my God, so help. Well, you know what it is? I think because I come more from a business background and uh, the only reason why I'm on the artist side and not the record label side right now is I have like a goal to help change, you know, whatever I can in pop culture for the better. But what I'm saying is uh, the show is help, period. Because there are obviously, you know, if you go on that show and you sound like Tom Petty, you're going to be singing Tom Petty all the way to the end. But there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that because everyone needs some familiarity. It's just after the show, now you can develop who you are. What made you choose the voice over the other shows? There's X Factor in the US, right? And um, I think there's America... American Idol? American Idol, yeah. Uh, yeah, so... It's honestly another weird kind of funny story, uh, but 
I'm, I'm sitting with my mom and I'm folding clothes and an ad came up on TV and it said, we're auditioning in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And I'm like, shoot, ma, I've never been to Philly. I should go there. And uh, that's literally how it happened. I just wanted to get a Philly cheesesteak, which they're known for. I'm like, no, I'll also audition on the side. Like, who knows? I actually walked out of my audition because uh, my full name is not Austin Giorgio. It's Austin Giorgio Yarton. And they said, uh, Mr. Giorgio, if you could stay back. And there's a bunch of people in the audition room. So I literally walked out because I'm not used to being called by my middle name. Uh, and they had to come find me. So it, it, was, a, it was a fluke. Yeah, lucky you did. Yeah. Cool. So what happened after that then? You've obviously, like, you've you finished The Voice. Did you start to release music officially? Did you start to kind of go a little bit heavier on social media? Yeah. So I mean, when you go on these shows, like, it's a whole, they got, you know, it's big business. They've got a whole team with uh, outsourced marketing. They, they help you with what to do, start an Instagram and all that stuff. Uh, and I had one, um, once I started getting gigs in town, I started making one because people wanted to know where I was playing. So uh, I think the this is kind of more in your guys' avenue is I definitely started focusing on, all right, what do people want to see online? What do they like? Because when I first started, it was more about me. Like, all right, I, I love jazz. I love this. This is what you get. But I've learned since then, it's you almost got to give people what they want, but you got to sneak your medicine in there, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I feel like a lot of artists sort of create things with always a target audience in mind rather than always kind of thinking about their existing audience so i think that's so key because so often artists are pushing out to their target audience so much that they end up actually just forgetting about the audience they've already got uh, was that quite difficult though because you obviously had an audience from the voice but then you also had an audience from back home and from gigs and things did you feel like it was quite different because did your messaging change at all did your branding change at all uh you know what no and it, it, it's funny people always tell me like you know, do you ever want to sing with Michael Bublé and Michael Bublé and Michael Bublé? I'm like, no, like, I, I love Michael. And the, 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 the thing for me is for my fan base is I carry that audience. Like, I share a similar uh, audience in that sense of an older demographic, you know, that likes that kind of music. But in the same sense, I'm kind of like John Mayer, where it's like, I have my own sound, but like, I have different age groups. Like, a lot of young people under 25 know me from TikTok and Instagram. And everyone plus that age knows me from The Voice. So you kind of got a really mixed audience, yeah. yeah. Was it in, so how did you build your audience from, from The Voice? Did you manage to grow it or did it kind of like stagnate after, after you finished The Voice? Um, so when you're on the show, it just, it obviously, it just happens. Yeah. I mean, it just, it just happens. You, don't, you could literally post a photo of a potato and you don't get a following. <laughs> yeah. Um, because people, that's why I tell every artist that I talk to, like, hey, you think I should do it? It's like, yes, like, put the ego aside. You need to get on that show because people that watch those shows are early adopters. They want to learn new artists. And um, so that, that, but after the show, you fall, I mean, you, you fall off their team. So you're obviously not getting help anymore directly from them. So that's where I, built a team around me, around some marketing, some, some people in the marketing world, especially my manager, he comes from that. So it, uh, I definitely needed to see where I had my weaknesses and how I could fix it. So you said your, your, your audience are a little bit older because it's kind of that, as you said, sort of Michael Bublé sound. What made you start TikTok then? Because TikTok, as I think everyone knows, is, is a platform for Gen Z. Is it because you were targeting those people or is it because you kind of naturally came across the platform? Yeah, so, Maybe I misspoke. So my, my audience is actually very diverse. So it started off with an older demographic. You know, everyone 
everyone's like, oh my god, I love these tunes. You're singing this song, that song from 1983, this song from 1962. Uh, and now a lot of my music that I just, I want to make and I record and self-produce, it's just pop music. It's just, I take what I love from Fleetwood Mac, what I love from Mike Buble, what I love from John Mayer, and I put it in to mesh with modern pop. Um, and I'm like, well, you know, I heard this TikTok's pretty cool. Uh, I should get on. Oh, actually, you know what? Guys, I, I'm a dork. I actually do remember how I started TikTok. <laughs> so we released a song called Walkin', and I remember I went online to see, you know, because sometimes DistroKid, which is our distributor, will release it early. And I'm like, let me see if it's on Amazon yet. And when I Googled it, it was already on TikTok. I'm like, what the hell is TikTok? So I clicked it, and it was like 1,500 views or 1,500 videos of it in Asia. But I couldn't understand what anyone was saying. I'm like, oh my God, I need to get on this platform and talk to these Asian people somehow. And then that's literally how it started. And then they made me like a spotlight artist for whatever that is. And then from there, that's how it started. Do you think it was the name of the track that took that off? You said it was called Walking. Yeah, so I, that song, um, I actually stole an idea from old 60s music where they would start with the... Uh, it's, lyrically, I was thinking of writing it where people can get the name of the song without hearing the hook yet. And it's this first line is it is when you're walking and then the chorus is walking on your own, your own. So within the first 15 seconds of the song, it says when you're walking and then it ends. So it's like a perfect 15 second uh, video for TikTok now looking back at it. So it's basically a perfect fit for the platform. Exactly. It was, it was made for the platform and I didn't even mean it to. You have like a really, well, I think, I don't know if you started this trend, but your content on TikTok is, is very, you have a style. You have the whole idea of like pointing and explaining the track, kind of giving the narrative to your audience to a point where they actually feel engaged with you. Did you make that up or did you sort of find it and make it your own? Because I've seen artists do it a lot now and you're the one that I kind of saw do it first. Yeah, so that uh, that is, I, I started it back in August. I tried it once and it went viral and it's like this never seen a girl. I made this beat in lyrics because I was scrolling through TikTok. I'm like, man, there's a lot of girls that could use some confidence on this app. I'm like, let me make something that might be like cute and they might like. And then I put it out there and it was the same idea of like, I noticed that on TikTok, I read things more. So I'm like, all right, um, I should do something that has more of a story base than just singing in the front of the camera that people have been doing since 2010 on YouTube. Um, and what I call it actually is, I, I call it the McCusker process. And why it's called that is one of my professors, uh, when I was a freshman, his name was Professor McCusker. And I hated, this is a quick short story. I hated literature and when the first thing he did is in class is he wrote his name on the board with an asterisk and he said, hey, my name is Professor McCusker and that asterisk represents an asshole because that's who I'm gonna be. <laughs> and it was a joke and it's like, oh my God, like he always did these funny ways that drew us in and then once he had our attention, then he gave the message. So it's like my McCusker process of giving people the story and then at the end it's like, by the way, you're listening to my song, this is me. I love that. And what would you kind of say to, so a lot of our audience are emerging artists. Um, you'll probably know from our content that we heavily push TikTok. We've got an artist we're working with in the moment who's got a track going viral on the platform. It's the audio itself has been used by like 35,000 people now. Uh, and it's doing so well. And it's really hard to kind of persuade a lot of artists to use the platform because they think it's only for younger people. It's a little bit cringy. Is there anything you'd say to people to sort of show them just how good the platform is? Like, what's it done for you so far? Uh, well, 
I guess I look at, I think this one sentence would really sum it up. As someone that was on national television in front of 11 million people every week, I've had more people, uh, kids, and even people in their 20s recognize me from TikTok versus The Voice, and it's only a wow. year old. Wow. That's amazing. So that just tells me where the attention is. Yeah. yeah. And what's happened with your posts initially on TikTok? Did you start creating content and it just blew up? Or did you just start posting and one happened to blow up later? I posted a couple on there. The first five probably got a couple thousand views. I think it comes down, I definitely think that platform comes down to like anything. I think people fall in love with your looks first, then your personalities, then your credentials, and then whatever the heck you've got to offer, whatever you're on something for. Um, but I, it's still like this today is I could post something and it might not do well. I've learned that there's certain times of the days and there's certain things I have to do to make it go based on what's worked. What are those things? So for me, for Eastern Standard Time uh, in New York, if I post directly after 8 p.m., if there's a good shot, it'll go. Because you think about behaviors, most of my demographics are in America. So if it starts on the East Coast, most people are laying their head on their bed at 8 o'clock. And then it'll keep moving forward all the way to the West Coast. That's you really know? interesting. So by the time I wake up, then it's like, you know, 30,000 views in the morning. Mm. What I find really interesting about TikTok is like, it's not like Instagram where if you post a picture, it's guaranteed to at some point be on someone's timeline. Mm. Because with TikTok, not everyone will sort of go to their following and start scrolling. They might instead just look on their For You page. Mm. Is, that, is that a problem you found? Like you might have lots of followers but not every piece of content is gonna hit. You have to sort of really carefully think about the content you're creating. Um, you know, I actually had this, we had a meeting with me, Mike, and two people, a part of an agency we're working with, and something that TikTok's going through is, I don't know if this will help. Um, no, it should, it should help your audience. But uh, something that we learned is that TikTok's in the growth state. So what, what seems to be happening is right now they wanna push out to more people. So in two years, it'll probably become Instagram where only your followers, majority of only your followers see your content. So for right now, it's like put your arm out and cast the net and get reach as many of people that you want to help influence and help change their life. Because in two years, it might be different. It might only be who you have following. It might be harder to reach more people. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that's so true. Do you find hashtags are useful? What kind of, you said kind of your formula of kind of, um, the McCluster formula, basically. Mm -hmm. What about using the platform itself? Do you find that hashtags are useful, the titles? Um, I, you know, I don't know about that. I use two of the same hashtags just for consistency. Uh, I don't know if that has to do with that. I think story, I think story beats anything. And that goes with content that goes with music. I mean, cause someone can have a great production song but it's easily chewed and consumed and out the door tomorrow. Yeah. You know, and then the next production tracks on. So I think just, and that's what the McCusker is, is if you put the story on the table and people like it, they're going to want to see who the author is to find more books like them or find more songs like them. And for people that haven't seen your account, is there one piece of content that it's actually gone crazy? It, was it the first one that you did, the first McCusker one that you tried? Or was it a really random one that you didn't actually even expect to get people's attention? Um, I think the first one that went viral was They've Never Seen a Girl Like You, which prompted which prompted me to actually write the song, which that was a nightmare. Cause I've never actually put something out and it's like, oh my God, now I gotta finish this. <laughs> so usually I, I finish it and then put it out. So it's kind of like a headache to finish what that song was gonna, where it was gonna go. Yeah. Um, 
I think the one that surprised me the most, and this tells me what's going on on TikTok, is I posted a video with like a trending sound about three things that, three ways to know if a guy's into you, which is silly, but for me, that definitely would fit my audience, is like people that believe in romance, like I do, and things like that. And it went viral, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know why anyone would watch me stare at the camera saying three pieces of advice. But that was one that surprised me. Do you find that quite difficult then? Because that kind of audience, how do you kind of pull them across to your Spotify or to come to your gigs? Or have you found that it happened pretty naturally over time? I think it happens naturally. I mean, I think everything could be like an analogy. If some, if I'm on the side of a street and someone were to give me a painting for free, I'd probably look at it maybe take a picture of it and then probably set it down if I don't want to carry it for the rest of the day. But if they said you got a, you know, for a dollar, I think I'd want to get my value out of that painting. So when people invest so much time, that's why I don't ever say what the song title is because I'm letting people prove to themselves like, oh my God, I want to know what the song is. And after they stalk my Instagram, stalk my Spotify, they're like, oh my God, I just discovered your album that you released like a year ago. Mm. I love it. Yeah. So they, they, they almost dig themselves into me, which is kind of cool. And when you saw Maddie's um, video, how much planning goes into your content? Because when you're watching her video, you were planning something, you were planning your content. Do you have to make notes? Do you do drafts and then realize it's not good enough? Or what goes into that process of making a post? Yeah, I, there's definitely... Uh a plan that we put together for how things should go on. We take the platform significantly more serious than we did even two months ago. Um, in the sense that we're trying to space things out. So it might be a, uh, a singing video, something dating related, and then something just funny, and then restart the cycle. Um, but for me, it's always, cause on that platform, I'm telling you, and you already know it, it's weird. There's a lot of weird people on there doing things. And I'm like, I'm not doing that cause I'm, the only reason why we're doing this again is for the goal of what I'm trying to accomplish as a person, as an artist. So when we make content, it's always like, all right, you know, if I want to reintroduce the gentleman back into pop culture, listen, I swear, people swear, but I don't really want to swear in my songs. I want to be a good influence. I always try to make my content revolve around this, this arching goal of mine so that my stuff's all fluid and it all is always consistent. Mm. I think that's, I think it's really similar to sort of like your content strategy you have on any platform. It's like mm. have that overall ongoing message and theme and values and then create different styles around that. So you've obviously got your humor, you've got the music based stuff, the dating stuff that all sort of follows your own values. So I think, I think what a lot of artists do is they go on the platform, they want to get views, they follow sort of viral trends. And then they're like, why have my followers not gone up? And it's, it's cool you're getting loads of views, but people won't come back to your profile and engage with you if it's all just random viral trends. So I think that's quite a mm. good tip to advise people on. Yeah, and actually, you know what? You're right. My, my guitarist, uh, his name is John Dretto. He's got like 50,000 followers on there. And we talk about that all the time. It's like he, he tries to post a lot of stuff that's viral based. So like stuff that's like you'd see on like, you know, failarmy.com or something like that. And we notice when it's more personal, when it's more music based, like people follow significantly faster. Really? Like tremendous. Like if I, if I were to post a video of like, I don't know, uh, something that's viral worthy, you know, like maybe a car flying into a building and the guy gets out and he's like, that was awesome. Like something viral versus me singing or him playing guitar and it's really cool the ratio, the return, you know, if you want to cut the ROI, whatever it is, 
the followership is significantly bigger on the music one versus the basic viral sharing one. I think it's because though, like on the For You page, it's so easy to swipe like, swipe like. You have to really care about the content and really feel invested in that person and that, that 15 second clip or maybe even a, a minute now to actually slide across and view their profile. So that's mm. probably like the pattern there. It's if they don't feel invested in you or they just feel like, oh, it's another viral trend, they won't actually care enough to follow. So that's a really interesting mm. one though because we haven't really heard many people talking about that. Like, again, story. Uh, you've got a post which has, I think is it what 1.7 million views on it where you said that this is my track, I wrote it, here it is. Mm. Is that right, 1.7 million? Mm-hmm. So, so basically, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what made you do that? Was that a trend? Was that something you created? Was it always a marketing ploy to be able to get people to stream your track? What made you do that? So I think you're talking about the tabletop video where I'm wearing a camo shirt. The one that I put in the video. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, the end goal for everything, whether it's, if, if TikTok disappeared, if Instagram, I really wouldn't care. I mean, the only thing I care about is spreading my message of what I'm trying to do. So for me, I wrote that song as like a reminder, because, you know, again, not everyone's fortunate to have both sets of their grandparents alive, or let alone their parents, their grandparents, maybe even together. So for me, that was like, it's an important song to me. It's something I loved. And I'm like, you know, I just want people to hear it. Maybe people like me that have their grandparents, they'll show their grandparents and it'll give them a reason to go over their house and hang out with them. Um, so I fit, again, that the message itself, I just used the McCusker process of, all right, instead of me sitting there singing, saying, hey, I'm a singer, this is my song. Let me surprise them. Let me give them a story. Let me hook them. And then by the time it gets to the point where they're about to fall off and swipe to the next thing, I'll tell them, hey, by the way, this is me. And this is me awkwardly dancing how I usually dance. So it, it's just like, it's just who I am. And if they liked it, they liked it. I did, didn't expect it to do as well as it did, um, let alone any of the ones I post. But I, I've learned it's, it's the story that's the most important thing. And, and just sort of to, before we finish, um... For the future, what's your plans moving forward? How do you plan to grow? How do you plan to kind of get your message further? Well, I think there's uh, there's like three things as an artist I've always worked on. It's it's helped me become what what I'm calling successful year by year. What I'm doing, uh, and it's obviously every artist needs to have a needs to have like a living wage goal. You should figure out what you need to get by your minimum, and then you can always grow. The second is the creative. That is your content. That is your music. You know, I want to put out one album a year, maybe one song a month, a single a month. Um, but more importantly, and that's like, is my end goal. Of if, if I want to change kids and I want to change their future, I need to focus on getting in front of them. And whether that's through TikTok, but more importantly, shows. So I, I hire more. I'm hiring more college kids to help me get shows. So that's that's my, my next year goal is to do double the amount of shows I did this year and continue to reach the people I, I want to help influence nice i think that's probably the most uh kindest thing i've heard an artist <laughs> say that the fact that you're trying to basically all you're doing is trying to get your message across so that's amazing where can people find you so is it all Giorgio austin all of your usernames that yeah it's all, the dude that took it wouldn't give me the the handle i'm like don't worry about it, man you keep <laughs> well, we it we plugged keep that mine. as your name now so it's worth it <laughs> 
Yeah, so it's just my name backwards. It's Giorgio Austin. Cool. So uh, you all should check him out. He's got some great content. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you guys for freaking having me. <laughs> Thank you. It's been great. And if you enjoyed this podcast, then make sure to leave us a review. And if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to hit that like button and subscribe as well. And we'll see you in the next one.